But uh, have you ever walked out of a movie? Now, not because you had to go to the bathroom or you wanted popcorn, uh, but you walked out of the movie because it was so bad or it, it was vulgar, it was profane, it was whatever, negative, bad. Um, I've actually never done that, um, but uh, there, there is one movie that I wanted to, and, and not because it was bad in the sense of moral, it, it was because it was bad. <laughs> it was a bad movie. I won't tell you which one it is, uh, you'll have to watch the tape uh, if you want to know. But in 1997, uh, before all of our seniors were born, a long time before they were born, uh, this blockbuster hit came out called Men in Black. And of course, it became a series that lasted for you know, more than a decade. But one, that year, uh, I was with some other young adults, and we had gone somewhere. I don't remember the context, but I know we had some free time. And, and I was leading some young adults, um, college students. I was a young adult at the time. And we went and said, hey, let's go to the movies. And so we went and bought our tickets. There was one... Uh, adult, let's put it that way, adult, probably in his early 40s with us. And so we all walk into Men in Black and we sit there, the, you know, the previews, all that. Then we get to the movie. About, about 12 minutes into the movie, uh, the, other, the older man, which is now a young man today, uh, in my opinion, <laughs> mid-40s, young, young, he's super young, he gets up and leaves. I thought, oh, maybe he wants popcorn. He's go to the restroom, whatever. And he never came back. So after the movie is over, we walk out and we're in the food court. And I said, hey, I, you, you left and never came back. And he's like, yeah, I just, I, I couldn't be in there. Uh, there were just too many things that were said on the screen that bothered me. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't hear it. And so I needed to remove myself. I, I couldn't hear the Lord's take, name taken in vain, some of the other words they use throughout the movie. And again, this is a PG-13 movie at the time, I think. Um, and, and the irony of that is that that conversation has stuck with me nearly 30 years later. And, and I remember thinking he didn't condemn the other six of us that stayed and watched the movie. Um, he didn't quote uh, the book of Exodus to us and the Ten Commandments. Um, he, he didn't give us a theological treatise on why we shouldn't go to the movies or watch movies that may not have language we want. He just simply said, I, I have a conviction and I, I needed to leave. And, and I was thankful for that. Because as I think about what it means to be a part of the kingdom of heaven, I know, and as we talked about last week, I know that to be a part of the kingdom of heaven takes radical change. That was Jesus' first words is, repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. If we want to be a part of the kingdom of heaven, radical change has to take place. We have to walk away from our old way of life. Even as Sarah shared in her testimony this morning, we walk away from our old way of life and pursue Jesus by faith. That's radical change, death to life. And so we have to live differently. We have to be different. And, and as we look this morning at, at the most famous sermon that Jesus preached, uh, which was probably a series of sermons in, in Matthew chapter 5, that's where we're going to be today. I want us to think about what it means to be, to be a citizen of the kingdom. 
What what does it mean to be a citizen of the kingdom? Not not to have a lot of activity and, and be religiously active, no, but to be a citizen of the kingdom. Because we're going to look at the be attitudes today, not the do attitudes. It's the be attitudes. And what does it mean to be blessed? We all want blessing. We, we all want to be blessed. We, we don't want someone to say, bless your heart to us. But, but we want to be blessed. And, and as we think about what we read today, I, I want to draw your attention to that word Blessed. Blessing sometimes we think means good things, good circumstance, good fortune. Boy, I sure was blessed that I didn't get in the accident that was ahead of me. Well, that might be true, but maybe the blessing for you was to stop and help those who were. And we miss sometimes. Blessing The way the scripture sees that word is very different from the way we see it in our world. Blessing refers to being fortunate in experiencing God's response to activity, to our behavior, our activity, the situations of life. It's it's the blessing and the fortune of being in that moment and how God is going to respond to that moment. That's the blessing. And so today, seniors, as you look to the next stage of life and you all want to be blessed, I know particularly at your grad party, you want to be blessed with lots of envelopes. And we want that blessing for you too, as moms and dads, so we don't have to pay as much. (laughs) I needed louder amens than that. (laughs) But let's look at the the be attitudes this morning as we see what it means to be a part of God's kingdom, what it means to receive the reward of being a citizen of the kingdom. In Matthew 5, verse 3, it says this, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This passage, if you've been in church very long, you've probably heard of these things, the Beatitudes. These are character traits. These are what it means to live and to be a person of the kingdom, to be involved in God's family. His family today, as we experience heaven on earth through the unity and the prayer of our body of Christ, and what it means to experience that same kingdom in the future. But oftentimes we get these mixed up. 
And and we look at these characteristics and we think, "Mm, maybe there's a different way. Because sometimes we don't have B attitudes, we have bad attitudes. (laughs) And, And there was a little contrary Beatitudes written. And if the enemy, if Satan himself were to write the bad attitudes, this might be what he would say. Blessed are those who are tired, too tired, too busy, too distracted to spend an hour once a week with their fellow Christians. They are my best workers. Blessed are those Christians who wait to be asked and expect to be thanked. I can use them. Blessed are those who are easily annoyed. With a bit of luck, they may stop going to church. They are my missionaries. Blessed are the troublemakers. They shall be called my children. Blessed are the complainers. I'm all ears to them. Blessed are those who gossip, for they shall cause strife and division which pleases me. Blessed are they who are easily offended, for they will soon get angry and quit. Blessed are they who do not give their offering to carry on God's work, for they are my helpers. Blessed is he who professes to love God, but hates his brother and sister, for he shall be with me forever. Blessed are you when you hear this and you think it applies to other people and not yourself. I've got you. My prayer is that we live by the B attitudes and not the bad attitudes. And students, not just those in the first two rows here, but those over there and others scattered throughout. Uh, My hope for you today is that you would embrace the person that God's called you to be. That you would understand his love and his grace that you are created in the image of God. And as a 17 or 18 year old, or a 14 to 17 year old, that you would understand his goodness in your life and the blessing what it means to to follow Christ, that God's presence is with you. Not just today, not just when you're here on campus, not just when you're in a student event. God is with you, always. And don't exchange the blessings of this world for the blessing of God. He wants the best for you. He desires a relationship with you and he desires to walk with you each and every day. And so I pray that you would experience the satisfaction of kingdom blessing. And that begins with being poor in spirit. That you have a humility about your life. That you have a dependence on God. And particularly in this case, not on material riches. That I'm not just poor, I'm not poor physically, but I have a a dependence on God like no other. That I'm not going to trust in my intellect and all of you are smart people. I'm not going to trust in my skill because you have skill. I'm not going to trust in my athleticism or what I can accomplish in the arts. I'm not going to trust in my friends who can get me places that I may not be able to get on my own. No, I'm going to trust and depend on my Heavenly Father. Because I know without Jesus, I'm spiritually bankrupt. And that's not just true for high school seniors, that's true for all of us. 
That if we want to be a citizen of the kingdom, we have to recognize that we are spiritually bankrupt without Jesus Christ. And he is the one who fills our account because he said on the cross, it is finished, which is an accounting term. I mean, it's done, complete, full, paid. It's finished. And so walk through life with humility and grace towards others. You may be the greatest student, athlete, friend, instrumentalist, vocalist. You may be the greatest, but walk with humility. And then, blessed are those who mourn. Now, this is the hard one for me because when we think about this word mourn, we often think about a funeral and, and someone has died. We mourn when people die. But, but this mourning is not just about people who are suffering loss, who are experiencing loss. This mourning also, M-O-U-R, not M-O-R, uh, this mourning actually has to do with our sin, that, that we would have a, a spirit of mourning, that we would have a spirit of brokenness when it comes to our sin, that, that I would cling and I would be more brokenhearted over my sin than some minor failure in school or work. You remember a couple of weeks ago, I talked about the little leaguer who all he had to do was get the bat on the ball because men were on second and third. And he struck out and he dropped his bat and hung his head and walked back. I think about how often I'm discouraged over things like that. I'm more discouraged over things like that that don't matter than I am over my own sin. And God is calling us as citizens of the kingdom to recognize the magnitude of our sin, to mourn with one another, to have empathy with one another, to lift each other up when we're suffering so that we will be comforted. That's the one thing we all want, right, is comfort. That's why some of you dads and granddads, you have a particular chair in your family room. And no one sits in that chair but you. There's only one bold enough to acknowledge the truth. <laughs> we want comfort. We, we buy cars for comfort. We, we want comfort. We have comfort food. It's everywhere in the South. But if you want comfort, then be a person who's broken over your own sin, who's empathetic towards others and can breathe grace and hope into those who are experiencing loss and frustration. In our current day, there are a lot of people, particularly teenagers and students, who are struggling, who need empathy, who need compassion, who need a friend, and to come alongside them, to comfort them. In that moment, you too will be comforted. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. These are the folks who are, who are strong, but you never know it. You don't know they're strong because they walk with such grace and humility that only in the right moment do they exercise their strength. They don't need to prove that they're strong. They don't need to prove that they're dominant. They don't need to prove any of that. They're confident in who they are and who God has made them. And so they can let others charge ahead, be the go-getter, the dominant one, first in line. But a person who is meek, I think they get the greatest blessing. They get to inherit the earth 
Like the people that most of us would probably pass over. They're the ones that get to inherit the earth. What a great responsibility. What an awesome privilege that one day, when the world is, is perfect again, they're the ones that get to take the lead. The people who understand strength under control. And so students, as you go off to school, into the workforce, be careful not to be the one who promotes yourself. Put your best foot forward all the time so that you can be noticed. Let others notice your character and your work ethic and your love for Jesus. And in those moments, they will see your strength and your wisdom because you desire to have strength under control. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. I don't know what your go-to beverage is. Some of you are Coca-Cola people. If you're Pepsi, we love you, but we'll pray for you. Some of you like diet. (sighs) Dr. Pepper fanatics. Sweet tea is most everybody's like, weakness, yeah. I know at least one, one or two people in the room that love sparkling water. I really pray hard for them, <laughs> wherever they are. I know one is over here somewhere. Like my, my greatest, one of the greatest things in the world, I, I had the privilege to go to Europe when I was a middle schooler because my family worked for the airlines. And, and I have a bias against sparkling water mainly because of my trip to Europe. Because in Europe, uh, unlike America, they're not big water people. And so when you ask for water, they want to know if you want water with gas or without. Please don't ask me if I want anything with gas. (laughs) Because the answer is no, I I don't, I don't. Carbonation, sure, but not gas. So some of you are sparkling water. sparkling water folks, but you may like Mexican or Chinese seafood steak. Some of you stick to the four basic food groups of candy, candy corn, candy canes, and syrup. If you don't know that, we'll really, really, really pray for you. From Elf. But but we think about food and drink, and, and when we get hungry and thirsty, So often, our hunger and thirst is focused solely on our physical being. And God is calling us, Jesus, with his own words, blessed. Fortunate are you to experience the presence of God in this moment when you and I hunger and thirst for righteousness like a person in a desert looking for an oasis. That's what we should be. As people of the kingdom of heaven, we should be pursuing God. We should be pursuing righteousness and his kingdom like a thirsty man in the desert. And so often, all we can think about is what's our next meal going to be. And the greatest blessing you and I have is that we don't have to worry about that. We don't have to worry, most of us, where our next meal is coming. But do we hunger and thirst for righteous living? More so than we long for sweet tea.
And if we're honest, that's a pretty tough choice. Like, I'm being honest. I love sweet tea. I love it. I'll probably be diabetic later, but... But I, I want to thirst for the things of God. I, I want to keep pursuing the things of God, and God's calling us to do that. And as you look at these first four, poor in spirit, mourning, meekness, hunger, and thirsting for righteousness, these relate to our dependence on God. The next few focus on how we live that out, that we are to be people of mercy, that we embrace the characteristic of being generous, forgiving of others, having compassion for those that are suffering, and that we bring healing wherever we go. Like when you walk into a room, does the room just, oh, he's here, she's here. Like everything's okay because they're present. Blessed are the merciful, they receive mercy. Are you pure in heart? Do you have the blessing of being pure in heart, that you have a standard that you live by? Not the standard of your friend, not some standard you've created. No, the standard of God. That, that I live by God's word, that is my standard. And so I'm going to devote my heart and my life to that standard. And no matter what the culture says, no matter what my own feelings say, I, I'm going to remain true to that. I, I'm going to be pure, singularly devoted to having my heart positioned towards Christ. And in that moment, we get to see and experience the work of God in our life. What a, what a joy that is. What a blessing that is. Blessed are those who are pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. This is the only place in the New Testament this word peacemaker is used. And it's funny, we have UN peacekeepers, that's different. A peacekeeper is different than a peacemaker. It's also different than someone says that from someone that says, I'm just gonna stay out of it. That's called Switzerland. <laughs> I'm just don't bother me. I'm I'm okay. I'm not gonna bother you, you don't bother me. But a peacemaker is not just one who's agreeable. It's the one who pursues peace. He's not just someone or she's someone that maintains equilibrium, like, like at a UFC weigh-in. When those two fighters are a boxing match, those two fighters get nose-to-nose. -nose. There's always a bigger guy standing behind them. He's a peacekeeper. He wants equilibrium. No, God's calling us to, to pursue peace to actively overcome evil with good, to be reconcilers. Because that's what Paul tells us we should do. We should be ministers of reconciliation, ambassadors for Christ, that I'm gonna reconcile people together. I'm gonna reconcile people to God. I'm gonna do that by pointing them to Christ. When I am a peacemaker, I'm most like my heavenly Father. You and I look the most like Jesus when we make peace, when we bring peace, when we reconcile. God's called us to that.
And so students, you're going to move off. Many of you are going to live in a dorm, an apartment with a roommate. And I promise you that's going to be glorious occasionally. (laughs) And not so glorious occasionally. Be a peacemaker. Be a person of grace and humility and meekness with your roommates, with your friends, with your fraternity and sorority, brothers and sisters, with your clubs and organizations. Be a person that makes peace. And then, when you experience those moments, and they're far and few between here for us in the United States, particularly in the South, when we experience persecution, blessed are the persecuted. I I saw the other day a, a meme, I follow this little satirical site called the Babylon Bee, and they had a meme out that said, uh, Christians in China are now praying for Christians in the U.S. being persecuted by Disney. <laughs> like, we, we don't understand this persecution. We don't understand it because we live even in a community that still is God-conscious. But maybe where you're going to go to school It's not very God-conscious. Maybe the workplace that you're going to enter is not going to be very God-conscious. And your calling is to be a citizen of the kingdom. And when that happens, you might be harassed, ridiculed, belittled, ignored. Let me remind you that there's blessing when that comes. There's blessing when that comes. And think about all the blessing that it is to be a citizen of the kingdom. We get to experience the kingdom of heaven right here and right now. Not not wait one day when we experience heaven, but no, we get to experience it right here because we're living in a way that honors God and God is honoring us. We get to receive comfort. We get the blessing of leading in the age to come. We'll be satisfied. We'll be fulfilled, not like sweet tea and candy corn fulfill us. No, we'll be fulfilled in our heart, in our soul, in our mind. Fulfilled with the presence of God. We'll receive mercy. We'll get to see God and experience his power and his might. And we'll have the great blessing of being called a child of God, an imitator of God. And as I read that list, I know that none of those things are extraordinary in the eyes of the world. None of those traits are extraordinary in the eyes of the world. But I think that's Jesus' point. The kingdom of heaven is not designed to be like the world. We're designed to be different. And so as you guys go off to college, go into the workforce, May your character and your lifestyle, may those things be what set you apart so that God will be honored and that you will be blessed. That's my prayer for you today. Will the rest of you pray with me?